Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. We've been talking this week about how to resolve personal conflicts in the church, in our home, in our families. And yesterday we touched on the main culprit behind these conflicts, which is sin. And today I want to kind of apply this more personally to us uh, and how we as individuals deal with accusations that have been made against us. And these can range from small accusations like you're inconsiderate to massive accusations like you have failed me in this relationship. And so this show is called The Gospel for Life. How can we appropriate the gospel of Jesus Christ when we are being accused of something? <laughs> they they always do this. They have these long pauses that guilt me into beginning. Always. Well, but, we're waiting for you, Russ. Yeah, so just exactly. go for it. Yeah. Anytime there's an accusation made, more than likely there's at least a, a partial truth in, in the accusation. You have to learn that Oftentimes, people in their frustration, people in their anger, lose their ability to be as articulate and clear and logical as they ought to be. And so you you have to listen past what they say and begin to, at, at first, hear what they ought to have said. My wife, when she's frustrated with me, often speaks in superlatives. So all or always or every time. I know she doesn't really mean that, but is she correct in whatever she's addressing that I do do it sometimes? Yes, I do. So the first thing about being able to apply the gospel into those situations is that I listen to my wife lovingly Mm -hmm. and say, okay, I can fixate on the fact that she said every time or you always do this, but that's really not the point. And that wouldn't be lovingly listening to my wife. What I need to hear is, oh, I've hurt her because I've done this. Maybe one time, two times. Now let's deal with what the real issue is, not what she said, but what the real issue is. Mm -hmm. That's applying the gospel in a very pragmatic, practical way. Just listening for what they ought to have said. Mm -hmm. Our response shouldn't at first be defensive Mm -hmm. uh, and explain away the problems. I did hear somebody the other day talk about some of the complaints that come to us since, you know, he made an observation. Some of those debts they think we owe them are not debts that we were supposed to service. In this way, you know, like for instance, I owe debt to somebody because I didn't visit them. Well, I had no idea I was supposed to visit them. I didn't know they were in the hospital because they never communicated that to anybody that they were there at the hospital. But after the fact, somehow, because I'm a pastor, I must have employed my private 
investigation service in order to determine that they were there. A debt I might have owed them, but a debt I wasn't obligated to service because I didn't know they were there. Charles Spurgeon had a, a, such a great quote for when he dealt with personal accusation. When an accusation came against him, he said this, Brother, if any man thinks ill of you, do not be angry with him, for you are worse than he thinks you to be. If he charges you falsely on some point, be satisfied, for if he knew you better, he might change the accusation, and you would be no better by his correction. If you have your moral portrait painted, and it is ugly, be satisfied, for it only needs a few blacker touches, it will be still nearer to the truth. Now, that I think is an important quote, and, and Spurgeon, of course, is not saying let's sweep conflicts under the rug by simply thinking of ourselves more ill than this person is accusing you of. What I think he's actually getting at is this is one of those things that's actually helpful for you to remember in the midst of conflict, that no matter what this person says about me, I'm far worse than they could possibly actually even imagine. Part of the gospel um, tells us that we have nothing to defend in ourselves. So the essence of the gospel, in other words, is not just that uh, we have liabilities before God, but that all of our assets are in fact liabilities because all of our righteousness is as filthy deeds. And so if someone were to accuse me, in other words, hey, you're Josh Bales. Well, of course I am. I I wouldn't defend that. Well, when they say you're a sinner and here's your sins, well, what am I going to defend? So again, this isn't about sweeping conflicts under the rug. This is how do you prevent that inner explosion of your sinful nature from, you know, kind of spiritually vomiting all over the next person? Very often we can't. It's easy to, I I can be an expert on conflict. Yeah, uh, when I'm not in the middle of one, often when our, our I often make people experts in conflict <laughs> <laughs> by experience. Yes, that's when you know we we've, we've talked a lot about uh, marriage and and conflicts in marriage, which is going to happen there, same as anywhere else. And things that my wife is really expert on is knowing when silence will do less damage than talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a couple of shows ago, I mentioned my dad's advice about marriage, which was Phil always have a project in the garage. Take a breather, walk away from it. You know, you know, don't just don't just turn around and stomp. You know, suggest, hey, let's talk about this later. Right now, I just need a little time to myself, and that's when we can really begin to reflect and <clears throat> perhaps perhaps adopt some humility. I've always I've always loved the book uh, by Spurgeon. Lectures to my students as he's talking to ministers and every as they go out to their calling. But he recommends uh, through an exposition of a verse in in Ecclesiastes that we ought to have one blind eye and one deaf ear because we don't want to see or hear everything somebody says about us. And he says, avoid with your whole soul that spirit of suspicion which sours people's lives. Mm -hmm. And to all things from which you might harshly draw an unkind inference, turned a blind eye and a deaf ear. Mm-hmm. And there's and he, and and he also goes on to talk about you know if there are false reports against you, for the most part, he says, use this deaf ear. Unfortunately, liars are not yet extinct, and like Richard Baxter and John Bunyan, you may be accused of crimes which your soul abhors. <clears throat> Don't be staggered thereby, for this trial has befallen the very best of men, and even your Lord did not escape the envenom of the tongue. In almost all cases, it's the wisest course to let such things die a natural death. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you want a good practical 
book on this subject. Uh, you recommended to me, uh, I don't know, a year ago, two years ago, John Newton's letters to John Ryland Jr. called Wise Counsel. And here in that letter, in that book, John Newton is writing, you know, these letters to this younger pastor. But it's not just for pastors. It has all sorts of wisdom for how to deal with a number of things, um, including these things on relational conflict. So let's let's get um, kind of specific here. Um, how does Jesus Christ, so again, this show is called The Gospel for Life. How does knowing Jesus Christ f- free you from the need to be approved by others? from the need to be more esteemed than others, from the need to not be misunderstood by others. We need to, we need to um, fear God rather than man all the time. Uh, our, you know, we need to have a healthy um, relationship with God, not wanting to fall out of his favor. Fearing God is having an awe and a reverence and a respect for him and how he deals with you in your life. Fearing men uh, drives us into our own idolatries. What do I have to do to, to succeed? What do I have to do to have respect? What I have? We folk, we turn our eyes off of God and onto ourselves, and I think that's, the, that's really part of that key. Mm-hmm. And you, you have to begin to look at all of this and say, where, where does my worth come from? Does my worth come from my identity in Christ, where it ought to, or does it come from the opinions and esteem or lack of esteem uh, of other people? And so we constantly, not only as ministers, but as, as just individual believers, need to go back to, to the place of saying, my identity, my worth, my value comes that I have been bought and paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And because of the precious blood of, of Jesus Christ being shed on my account for the account of my sins, I am in union with Jesus Christ and all of his benefits are mine because of my union with him. Mm-hmm. And so... What difference does it matter how my name is esteemed or not esteemed in in the minds of men Mm -hmm. when I am esteemed by my Heavenly Father because of who I'm identified with in Jesus Christ? That's that's a theme that you see throughout the Psalms. Over and over again in the Psalms, the the psalmist misunderstood or attacked or, or under assault in some way or being abused. And over and over and over again, the psalmist casts himself on the Lord. You're my rock. You're my defender. Mm-hmm. You're you're my security, mm-hmm. and, and you're you're the one in whom I dwell secure. As, as Jonathan was saying, and Rush, you're indicating too that uh, be secure in that relationship with the Lord first. Mm-hmm. And that leads to peace in lots of all in, in our other relationships. Mm-hmm. I think the book of First Corinthians, Second Corinthians. Sometimes there's a lot of things in there that we struggle with understanding exactly what's going on, um, just because there's some things that are culturally beyond us. We're, we're not living in first century Corinth. And so sometimes it's hard to wrap our minds around it. But most of the themes that we can we can grasp and see, here's a church that had a, just a whole host of conflict and conflict that even went up into the higher levels of right. different apostles and, and leaders within the church. And then in, in 1 Corinthians 4, Paul says, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself, for I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. And he's, he's really saying, I, I'm not even a good judge of, of me. Mm-hmm. How would somebody else be a better judge of me than, than I am of myself? I'm bad at it. Other people are going to be worse than me. There is one 
that's going to bring everything to light. And he right. is going to be the one that is going to speak into my situation. And then he goes on to say, what you are is what you've been made by grace mm-hmm. and what you've received by grace. And the other people, they are who they are because of what they've received in grace and by grace. Mm-hmm. I think that's the important thing. What we are is what we are by grace, by the grace of God. Uh, you know, we talked uh, last week about some of the books that uh, had been important to us in our lives. As we read Christian biography, we understand that all these men suffered by attacks on their character from outside. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, we have this treasure in jars of clay. We're just simply pots to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Amen to that. That's a great place to stop. You've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We will see you next time.